Hi everybody, this is Scott Saad. Saturday afternoon, rainy day, decided to take a break from writing my book to coming on the channel to discuss an article that I just uh, became aware of in Quillette. This is uh, by Jonathan Kay, who was kind enough to interview me on the Quillette podcast uh, several months ago about the parasitic mind. I'm also a good friend of his lovely mother, Barbara Kay. They both do great work. And so I didn't prepare this. I just started kind of, you know, scrolling down the article and I said, I'm just going to turn on my laptop and start analyzing it for you to give you a sense of what I've been warning you about for a very long time now. Uh, so the article is titled, let me put on my glasses here. The article, so this is uh, on November 7th uh, in Quillette magazine. I'll, I'll put the link to the article for all of you to go through. Anti-racism as office politics power play, a Canadian academic study, again by Jonathan Kay. I won't go through the whole thing, but I just want to point to a few things. Last week, 53 top Canadian academic administrators convened in Ottawa for a biannual membership meeting of Universities Canada, a group dedicated to, quote, providing university presidents with a unified voice for higher education, close quote. The 89-page meeting agenda, which was leaked to me after the event, makes for an interesting read. You really should go and read the whole article, but it's basically all about what I call the die religion, diversity, inclusion, and equity. Before I get into some of the details, uh, I recently remarked that, you know, everything now that happens in the university, the emails that one receives, the departmental meetings that one attends, is all viewed through really an orgiastic, uh, you know, tsunami of die issues. It's just relentless. It's endless. You, 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 you almost don't feel as though you're in a, you know, institution of higher learning. It's as if you're in a die cult where everything is about identity. It's the transgender this, the, 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 the queering of architecture, the first Muslim this, the BIPOC, black indigenous people of color, land acknowledgements, all the things that I discussed in the parasitic mind, but that are just speeding up at a breathtaking pace there's never a discussion about you know science about some interesting intellectual issue about ideas it's all all day long about identity marginalized allyship disenfranchised systemic racism systemic bigotry the patriarchy and on and on and on it's it's it truly is soul crushing but in any case, I wanted to read here for you. This is, again, it's coming from the highest levels of university administrators. These are the, the retreat for university presidents of Canada. So let me just go through here. So uh, let me just find here. Oh, yeah. So uh, the report's main theme is that university leaders must decisively reject the idea of, quote, color blindness which the author asserts should probably termed color evasion in favor of becoming, quote, race-conscious individuals who, quote, explicitly reflect, reflect on their ethno-racial identity and group memberships. So to say that something, you know, you want to create a world where there's color blindness, where, you know, Martin Luther King's position, you know, judge people based on the merits, you know, of the content of their characters, that itself is a form of color evasion. 
And the person who wanted, I'm trying to look for the person that uh, put this together. Oh, yeah. So the 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 agenda's real centerpiece is a 46-page standalone report commissioned by Universities Canada called Building a Race-Conscious Institution, a Guide and Toolkit for University Leaders Enacting Anti-Racist Organizational Change. And the person in question, what is her, I can't remember where, anyways, it doesn't matter. Let me just go through some of the contents of uh, this document. So, for example, you need to be dealing with structural diversity and curricular diversity. And here you look for outputs and outcome measures, all of which are viewed through the lens of the Dai religion. So percent of unit uh, EDI plans submitted annually. Uh, number and percentage policies and processes reviewed using EDI analyses. Percentage strategic institutional documents articulating EDI priorities. Percentage of senior leaders and members of governing bodies that are who are EDI trained. Percentage of self-identified EDG, that's, uh, I can't remember what the, the acronym for that is, it's somewhere down here. EDG is equity deserving group. So these are people who are marginalized and they deserve to be in these positions. So EDG is another term. By the way, the name of the person who put this together, her name is Al Shebah. I don't, I can't see what her name is, her full name. But anyway, she's some person at, uh, I think, McMaster. I'm trying to look. I'm, I'm doing this on the fly because I was so uh, keen on you know, talking to you about this. It's simply incredible. Anyway, I won't go through the whole list, but every single metric of the university is now about EDI, EDI. Again, I don't like EDI. I prefer the acronym DIE because this is the death of the university. Everything is dying. It's got nothing to do with intellectual achievement. It's got nothing to do with winning Nobel Prizes. It's got nothing to do with advancing core knowledge. Everything is about die. All right, so let's look at some more things. So this is best practices for inclusive excellence in hiring. Okay, You have to have a trained equity advisor who participates in every committee. Committees must be diverse with requisite expertise and critical mass of equity-deserving groups, representation. All committee members must complete an unconscious bias and relevant equity anti-racism training. Employment equity gaps are obtained by the committee chair and reviewed by the committee. The job ad signals commitments to accessibility, employment equity, and inclusive excellence. A consistent agreed-upon reference letter protocol is established and followed. Uh, both broad and targeted outreach strategies are used to recruit diverse talent. All applicants are invited to self-identify by completing an applicant diversity survey. All applicants are asked to submit a statement of contributions to EDI and inclusive excellence. I warned you about this in the parasitic mind. The evaluation criteria rubric integrates EDI and inclusive excellence contributions. We don't give a shit about your science. Tell us about your position on dye. What is your position on indigenizing uh, chemistry? That's what we care about. All right. The evaluation criteria rubric integrates EDI and inclusive excellence contributions. Evaluation decisions are thoroughly deliber deliberated to surface any biases or inequities. 
the diversity of long short lists is tracked to reach in, revisit, and advance strong EDG candidates. This is the equity deserving groups. Interview questions include assessment of EDI and inclusive excellence contributions. Employment equity goals are prioritized when multiple finalists are in the zone of excellence. A search summary report is completed after every search process. Appointment offers are made considering equitable negotiations principles. Strategies are implemented to support, develop, and retain new appointments. And then it goes on and on. So here now, let me just go through developing an EDI strategy for race conscious institution. Now, this is what 53 presidents of Canadian universities are spending taxpayer time doing. Not how do we become more educated? How do our children become more well-rounded individual? Not how do we become more competitive in science? How do we cure cancer? How do we solve the most important problem in mathematics? How do we understand the evolution of human consciousness? How do we, how do we make better models to understand the economy or consumer choice or, or study Shakespeare or study the ancient Greeks? That's secondary to die principles. It's all about die. Okay. Mm -hmm. Have you strongly articulated the case for diversity, which situates equity, diversity, and inclusion EDI efforts as essential to the mission and to achieve excellence? If you don't score well on that, you're a shitty university. We're watching you. Have you established or designated a senior administrative position tasked with leading institution-wide efforts to strategically advance EDI and anti-racist organizational change? By the way, the people who are sitting in these positions, many of whom are not professors, they don't have PhDs, they didn't spend 30 years as professors, they make more money than I do. So I publish a million scientific papers, I write books, I supervise graduate students, I go into the classroom, I appear in front of the media a hundred times, I advance the reputation of my university. All that I do is nothing compared to someone who comes in, who sits as the czar of, of the Dai religion at my university or any other university, and they, by definition, become much more important than just a measly professor, and they make more money. Have you engaged senior leaders and members of governing bodies to develop anti-racist leadership and governing capacities? Uh, let me go on here with some more die stuff. Have you, have you delegated central and decentralized accountabilities for advancing EDI and anti-racism to key roles across institutional leadership teams to act as champions? Have you established a model of coordinated decentralization where central, whereby central and local EDI champions communication and collaborate to improve university-wide EDI and anti-racism efforts? Have you developed recruitment and retention policies, procedures, and implementation tools that integrate EDI, anti-racism, and inclusive excellence principles and practices? Have you engaged regular climate reviews to assess the perception and experience of diverse community members with the ability to disaggregate responses from racialized members? Now imagine if we now have to be spending our time adhering to this stuff. I mean, not only is it, you know, anti-liberty, it's anti-meritocracy, uh, it's anti-science, it's death by bureaucracy. Already the process of hiring people is a terribly burdensome and complicated and important 
you know, decision to make. Now add 600 criteria, all of which relate to this nefarious die stuff. And now watch what happens to our time. Have you incorporated mechanisms for regular con consultation with and engagement of communities most affected by systemic inequities, including racialized community members? I mean, it goes on and on and on. But this is, this is a leaked report from what 53 university presidents were spending taxpayer money doing, along with all of their cadre, all of their cabal of administrators and you know other folks, all of whom are not trying to crack the code of diabetes or the code of neuroscience and how we better map the human brain. They're busy going after a mythical creature known as systemic racism. I've been a professor for almost 30 years. I have not once in all the years, either privately or publicly, meaning someone speaking to me privately or in a public setting, seen a single instance of the type of, quote, bigotry that these mechanisms are going after. I've seen a lot of anti-Semitism at my university. I know that Benjamin Netanyahu was stopped from speaking in 2002 at my university. I know that many students who are Jewish come up to, have come up to me and said, we no longer wear Jewish uh, identifiers when we walk around on campus. But I haven't seen anti-black racism. Now, that doesn't mean that some people might not be anti fill in the blank. But I have been a professor for almost 30 years. I cannot remember the, a single incident that I'm aware of, not, not that happened with me, that came up where we discussed any incident that constituted the type of horrifying bigotry that these Orwellian programs are supposed to be addressing. It's unbelievable. You know, it's taking someone like me who I am a professor in my DNA. It's I've only wanted to be two things in my life, as I explained in the parasitic mind, professional soccer player and professor. My entire life revolves around being a an intellectual a professor. I, I love it. I love academia. It's the most noble uh, profession when done properly. What I've been seeing in the 30 years, near 30 years that I've been a professor, that's why I wrote The Parasitic Mind, is absolutely astonishing. It makes someone like me, who is so dedicated to my profession, think about leaving. Because it's simply the, the burden that is placed on you to, you know, it truly is Mao China. It truly is North Korea. I mean, without the summary beheadings or executions, but certainly your reputation could be executed, you could be fired, you could be canceled. But this this Orwellian dark cloud that is constantly on us by the emails that we get and the messages and the seminars and the mandatory training that we have to do. Five years ago, it was a thousand times less. So what's where are we going? What's the future? When does this stop? How much longer can we keep doing this? I wish I had the answer for you, but what I can tell you is that I receive, as I always remind you, a million emails from professors in every possible field at every conceivable university. Thank you, Dr. Saad. 
you're our hero. Shh, please don't mention anybody to anybody that I really respect you. So the guy who wishes to defend meritocracy, defend individual dignity, defend the liberating, enriching power of intellectual pursuits is now so corrosive that all those professors who view me as their hero are too afraid to say, hey, I stand with Professor Saad because it's simply too dangerous because the die uh, administrator will come down hard on me. It is unbelievable. This is not something that's specific only to my university, right? Because in this case, it's the collection of all Canadian University. It's happening all over the U.S. It's happening everywhere. The capitulation of every foundational value that made the West great, that made the Western educational tradition great. And of course, I I shouldn't just say Western because there are... Uh, intellectual traditions coming from all over the world that have been wonderful, that were rooted in philosophy, in reason, in rationality, and then, of course, later in the scientific method. And all of that now is superseded by endless bigotry, allyship, uh, uh, you know, transgender, uh, indigenous land acknowledgements. We are sitting on stolen land. We are bad, white fragility, white privilege, anti-black, uh, anti-racism, uh, and all, it's, just, it's just unbelievable. And again, I'm the first, I'm about as socially liberal as they come, I'm the first who fights for everyone's right to live free of bigotry. But when you s- walk into the, the, the magical grounds of a university, the only thing you should be pursuing is intellectual landscapes. It's not a place where we engage in collective therapy. It's not a place where we engage in collective victimology. It's not a place where we fix intergenerational accounting systems. You did this to me and I did that to you. I'm still waiting for my reparations for my people having been slaves in Egypt. I haven't got to them. I'm still waiting for reparations for what happened to my family and me in Lebanon. It's not happening. Anti-fragile people face difficult situations, they overcome them and they move on. We don't need current generations to be held accountable and culpable for things that happened 300 years ago to people that they have nothing to do with, both the victims nor the perpetrators. Move on. Teach history and stop this nonsense. It is absolutely astonishing. I speak to you, as you can see today, in a very sober way, because it is truly suffocating. You are taking the person who... You can't think of someone who is more of a professor in their DNA than me. And I'm thinking, I don't know how much longer I can take this. And that breaks my heart existentially. It breaks my heart because I never thought that I could... You know, you, you know it could ever be so bad that I would no longer want to be a professor. But I don't want to receive any more emails about all of these stories. I want an email about, oh my God, who wants to come to this seminar by this wonderful political scientist who did this great thing and this neuroscientist? Who wants to get together to discuss this great idea? None of that. Victim, 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 blame, victim, 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 blame all day long. That's all that happens. Your taxpayers... Uh, your tax dollars are going to that. 
rather than paying people like me and others who educate your children, who create knowledge, who put themselves on the line to defend all these foundational values, we are shifting all the money to die administrators. It's unbelievable. You have the power to make change. Please speak up. Please use your donor money carefully. Please contribute to the problem. Don't think that this is a small, you know, bleep in the in the big ecosystem of universities. We will lose the traditions that we have created. Or we will win, but it will be much more costly to redress the situation in five years, ten years, fifty years than if we were to act now. I wish I could say slowly we inch. I wish I could say quickly we gallop. It is unbelievable what is happening. Have a good day, everybody.